This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. In order to advance racial equity, there is work for white people and people of color to do together and separately. The Project Sanctus Affinity Groups provide safe spaces for people to work within their own racial and ethnic groups. Join us every first and third Wednesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Zoom for brave, vulnerable conversations and for building culture through engaging embodied practices. For more details and registration, visit ProjectSanctus.com. Exploring the healing and culture-building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello and welcome to another episode of With Love and Justice for All, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, specifically, sometimes, often, with a special emphasis on... (laughs) Well, we don't all the time, but most of the time uh, on the challenges that arise as spiritual seekers. If perchance this might be the first time you're listening to us, I am a Reverend Ogan Holder. I'm here with my partner in crime and consciousness. Uh, oh, I got a new one. Crime, consciousness and co-creation because we we, we build this together. And yes, I, like, I, like I like alliterations and I like them coming in three. So again, Reverend Ogan Holder here with my partner in crime, consciousness and co-creation, Reverend Kelly Isola, how are you today, Kelly? I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling good, feeling hopeful. You know, there's I'm you know, sometimes I get accused of you're always complaining about something, but of course, why not? There is a lot to I'm Italian. About. I'm a New Yorker. There's Let's, a lot of things to, you know. But is, I'm I I'm I'll talk about it later, but just an email I got earlier today just really lifted me. So that is that is awesome. Yes, there's a lot to complain about. We will get to some of those in our show today because uh, this is our headlines episode. Today's episode is called Good Given and other headlines you might have missed. Um, we don't usually do our headline episodes on Tuesday, but uh, we didn't do one last week. And we have a special guest coming up on Friday, um, which uh, Kelly's going to tell you about in a moment. But Before that, I always and we always want to start uh, with a note of gratitude. Thank you to all our listeners from around the world. Yes, we have listeners all over the place, mostly here in the United States of America. I say here, I'm not in the U.S. I'm I'm in the around the world. I'm from around the world. (laughs) Yes, you're omnipresent. I'm I'm omnipresent. I'm I'm here in Barbados still. We'll be here for the next few months. Um, But, you know, old habits die hard. So uh, for the listeners in the U.S., um, our our top states coming in 
um, in the last few weeks. Uh, California, North Carolina, Virginia, Massachusetts, Minnesota, and Illinois. Thank you to all you who've been listening. But uh, we've got, we've had, we have listeners from all, like say all 40. There's 50 states from 40 of the 50 states. Uh, so uh, thank you for listening. And countries around the world like Mexico, Australia, Canada, Ukraine, France, the United Kingdom, Japan, and Chile. Those of you and Barbados in, and and Barbados, yeah, yes, and Barbados. <laughs> Can't forget. I am here. So are some listeners. Uh, so thank you all for uh, listening and supporting us in all the ways that you do. Especially, especially telling others about us and rating us on your podcast platforms. We really like it when you do that. If you've not done that yet, pause right now on the podcast whatever platform you're listening to go rate us give us all the stars all the thumbs or whatever and then come back and listen to more um but there's a lot of different symbols there's thumbs up there's smiley faces there's hearts there's yeah lots of like all the ways you can like us yes like us all the ways give us all the likes all the ways um and as always you can join in with us as we do this we live stream live stream this on facebook when we record so you can watch us in real time you can reply in the facebook comments in real time or after the fact whenever you watch it or listen to it um and you can find us on facebook and or instagram our handle is at get our holy on and also we have a phone number which you can call and leave a message that's 413-438-4659 or 413-GET-HOLY. So today's, uh, conver- uh, like I said, episode is Good Given and other headlines, but we have a few opportunities f- run your way before we get into the headlines. What do we got? We do. So our our guest, your, our special guest on uh, December 2nd is Rabbi Eli Friedman. And um, we will be talking about... Um, the anti-Semitic rhetoric and dangerous speech that just continues to grow that's out there. And um, Rabbi Eli Friedman is um, uh, very much involved in social justice initiatives um, with families with young children and young adult work. Um, He's engaged in all, you know, all other rabbinic duties, you know, like being with people through different life events and, um, you know, officiating um, weddings and such, but his, um, but we wanted to talk with him because he does, uh, because of his, a lot of work in social justice and, um, uh, and Rise Up is, is, um, is one of the initiatives. So it's called, that's what it's called is Rise Up. It's a social justice initiative. So join us Friday at 1 p.m. ish Eastern time. You know, we like the word ish. And uh, Thursday, December 1st, from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, we have a a, a workshop called From Privilege to Power. Um, In this workshop, we're going to look at privilege and our identities and, you know, define some some terms. And most most of us don't necessarily realize that um, uh, when we say, what can I do, what can I do, that it turns out our privilege, the privileges we have are some of our best resources, like using our privilege for power with, as opposed to the centuries of power over that we've been living in. December 3rd, um, from 10 to 2 p.m. Eastern, we have a workshop called Talking to Your People. We know that it is hard to talk with loved ones, friends, family, coworkers about 
um, racism, sexism, you know, any kind of discrimination and, uh, you know, systems of oppression, especially when there are such ideological divides. Um, but rather than ignoring the elephant in the room, you know, putting our head in the sand or getting into more and more divisiveness, uh, more and more anger and butting heads, we're offering the workshop to to do a lot of role playing. So come practice, come bring come bring your family issues and see if we can't help you figure out a game plan, you know, as we're approaching holidays, um, you know, before, during and after. Um, the, you know, plan your conversations and, and practice, literally practice. There's a lot of role playing that'll go on in this in this workshop. December 3rd, 10 to 2 p.m. Eastern, you can register on uh, uh, on our website, projectsanctus.com. Our next nonfiction 846 book club is starting January 10th. And it will it runs uh, January 10th through February 7th, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And our book is called American Detox, The Myth of Wellness and How We Can Truly Heal. Lots of people don't realize that the industry, the wellness industry, is, you know, upwards of $650 billion a year. And yet we still feel isolated. We still feel insecure. We, like, push hard and you know, to get well and and all of this wellness industry isn't really making us well. In fact, it's making some people worse because there are um, a lot of, um, you know, supremacy norms built into the wellness industry that we're not even aware of. So the book is about detoxing from a culture that is rooted in perfectionism and white supremacy and individualism and move more towards, you know, collective care. Um, so that starts January 10th. Again, you can register for that on the website. Uh, January 15th, we're going to do an all-day workshop again that we just did a few weeks back called Love and Rage, a contemplative play shop. Um, and, and it's about uh, using our anger, uh, transforming our anger, um, and redefining our relationship with anger. So within a container of love. And, uh, and so it's, we, you know, it was just, it's powerful. Um, it's moving together and com through conversation, through con contemplative practices, having some discomfort, and then we close our day with a little ritual. Um, but it's really, it can be really transformative if you have shied away from anger, if, you know, you just, you greet anger like a bull in a china shop. Um, most of us are not really, don't have a, you know, have an unhealthy relationship with anger and rage. So that's January 15th, 10 to 5. Um, registration for that will be up in the next day. And then finally, my last um, invitation, Scott, we want to stay away from that A word, is we are going to do the work, do the work again, which is that book, it's called Do the Work, which is an anti-racist activity book, but we're going to do it on three Saturdays, February 11th, February 18th, February 25th, from 10 to 1.30 Eastern time, each of those Saturdays. So we get these a few hours, a chunk of time to work through the book. And the book really is Do the Work by W. Kamau Bell and Kate Schatz is literally an activity book. It's There's not a lot, there is things to read, but it's more about the practice. So when when you when someone says well i don't know what to do i don't know what to do guess what now you do know what to do so join us on those three saturdays february 11 18 25th and again registration for those will be up on the website in the next day Whew. did i miss anything <clears throat> uh, no i think you got it all 
It's a lot of things okay. happening in the short It is a lot time. of things. And I'm like, I got to get through because we got good headlines to talk about. Exactly. Got to get through. Exactly. And, you know, and we didn't even talk about our usual reoccurring affinity groups or Thursday meditation practice. Uh, so anyways, um, so why did we call it Good Given? Today is Given Tuesday. We are recording this on November 29th. It is Given Tuesday. Um, I think everybody knows what Given Tuesday is. It is the Tuesday after Black Friday and small business saturday and cyber monday so we have a whole weekend focused on 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 commerce and retail and capitalism i think we all know why it's called black friday to begin with uh because it was you know um the the shopping day after thanksgiving with the intention of lots of these incredible sales for the holidays in order to bring businesses ledger books out of red into the black. So that's why that name came up. Um, Fortunately, most places have moved a lot of these sales online so that we don't have the horrors we used to see of people lining up overnight, uh, you know. (laughs) And remember they used to, and then they started moving the opening of stores early and earlier. So people were, uh, you know, getting in line after their Thanksgiving meal to go get some bargains at stores. And it was, it was just horrors. I mean, there was uh, people died. There's literally a website yeah, the, that, that keeps track of <laughs> the deaths. Right? I was just going to say that. Black, there's Black a website Friday called death count. Black Friday death count. Yes. That documents yes. instances of violence and some of these violences have <sighs> escalated to death. Anyways, anyways. So then someone came up with the thought of like, you know, Hey, Hey, won't we won't we won't we do the opposite? Won't we have a day where you know we do something a little bit more meaningful and do some giving? So it was uh, created in I think was it 2012? Um, 2012, yep. It was first launch, um, given Tuesday. So that's today. And if you are still looking for a place to give, I have two suggestions. One, us. <laughs> Project, yes. Project Sanctus is a great place to give give a donation. We're not a we're not a nonprofit as of yet, but this leads me to part of why Giving Tuesday is important because Giving Tuesday is sort of this idea of upending capitalism, right? Where where you decide basically something is worthy of your money, your time, your attention. Um, and not because somebody else has told you it is, but simply because you have determined the value and worth in and of itself for yourself, but also right. to give without the expectation of return because capitalism right. tends to not only just give a value to everything and then rank everything, it, you know, creating this, this commercial hierarchy, but it also has implanted in us the idea that if we give, we should also be getting back. Right. right. And for some people that getting back means a tax deductible donation. So, yes. Can I, can I give you a little f- fun factoid about that? Jump in. Absolutely. Tax deduction. So I learned this morning that so, you know, over the years, tax laws change and how you file and what you file and et cetera, et cetera. And the the way that how it is right now with the IRS and nonprofit tax deductions is in order to get a write off on your taxes for making a, a donation to a nonprofit, you have to, you know, file an itemized, you know, deductions. Um, and only 10% of the population <laughs> files a an itemized tax return. Um, yeah. 
So it's not even, you know, it's and and what the data is showing is that that more and more most people give because it means something to them. Yes. Um, yes. Like you were just well, saying, it's a, it's not much. because because of what they're going to because they get a tax deduction because the IRS is making that less and less appealing. Yeah. Yeah. So so give here, give to us because it's just Kelly and I, uh, you know, running the ship. Um, and this is this is our work. Um, so but then there's another opportunity um, to give, which I think is also another way of upending uh, not just capitalism, but another white supremacy norm of paternalism, which is uh, the idea that that I know better. I know what's best mm. for you. You don't know what's best yeah. for you. Right. So what 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 many people do is they give to big, well-known, you know, uh, doing good organizations like the Red Cross and places like that, um, who then decide here's what we're going to do with that money in the places that we serve. And again, they do they do great work. I'm not arguing about the work that they give, but sometimes it's it's sort of common sense to go. Uh, maybe the people who are in need know best what they need. Right. So how about we give the money directly to them? So just in case you haven't heard of this organization, and this is where I made a donation to today, this is where I did my Giving Tuesday. Um, it's called Give Directly, givedirectly.org. Um, and they, um, they are a global, yes, they are a global NGO, but they do digital cash transfers to individuals um, in countries all over the world. And that comes through like their cell phone. Um, so the money goes directly to the individuals, not to, you know, multiple organizations along the train that then, you know, have to deduct for their own expenses and then very little actually gets to the folks. So it's basically one stop between you and individuals in different places. Um, and this um, organization has been um, vetted and uh, um, and approved by many uh, like NGO and nonprofit watchdogs. So so I right. feel confident given um, and no, they aren't you know paying us to run this run this in uh, real time commercial for them. That's I'm just giving you some examples. This is this is how we upend the system um, through our generosity. So. Um, head over to givedirectly.org. Um, and if you haven't done any uh, given yet, do that. Of course, you don't just have to wait. Given Tuesday, you can give any time of year. And that, well, includes, also, that includes us. It, right. Yeah. Um, you know, we're always asking for support. We're the CEO and the interns. The interns and, and everything in between. The administrative assistants. And yeah. Um, and it's donating, you know, donating money is, you know, the common activity on Giving Tuesday, um, but it's, but it's not the only one, you know, right. you can, you can give and make the world a better place in multiple ways, uh, you know, donate and go give of your time and give of your talent, um, you know, sharing information, um, <clears throat> raising voices, you know, of marginalized people and communities and um, there's a, you know, and, and the reality is whatever, you know, giving money, uh, whatever dollar amount is going to do something. Yeah. You know, so. uh, or, or, uh, you know, as we like to say, it's not either, or it's a both and <laughs> do, <Correct>. both. <laughs> Correct. do both. Correct. Do both. Do both. I agree. <laughs> um, and all year round. 
and all year round. You know, and the one thing I will say, and then, you know, move on to other headlines is the, the give directly thing, I think is, you know, anyone that's listening that, that when you say, cause I know the first time I heard of it, you know, one of my thoughts that popped in my head, there were several, but one of them is like, wait, you mean give money directly to a person, but how do I know what they're going to do with that? Right. You know, like there's this mistrust we have within our culture. And it's the same thing when I, you know, I get off a highway and at the end of the ramp, there's always somebody standing there with a sign. And, and I, I often will give something. Usually I usually have, you know, some food item like bars, you know, protein right. bars and things. And, you know, I'll give those, sometimes I'll give money, but I know that I don't have any way of knowing what they do with that money. And the, the truth is, is I don't need to know um, yes. if that, per, you know, my hope, and I think most people are, you know, use it for, you know, basic needs. And if somebody has oodles of money and they're using it just to get more oodles of money, then that tells me that, you know, now I'm going to come from that spiritual perspective that if they're trying to get more, that there's a hole, you know, like a spiritual hole within and, and they're trying to fill it up. So um, I just sort of hold the person in my heart because I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I just can't go through my life not trusting anybody and not trusting a stranger. You know, Speaking I think it's of one the, of the uh, reasons we've gotten where we are right now is we we don't you know we dehumanize and we separate yeah. and and even in spiritual communities a lot speaking of narratives that tell us to dehumanize guess what marion webster's word of the year is gaslighting gaslighting i don't know that we should celebrate that and say it with such joy and no but but what you were when you were talking i was like this is this is perfect segue perfect segue yeah. yes this is this is the this is the word of the year for Mary Webster, gaslighting. Um, so yeah. so I think I think gaslighting. We sh I think we're all familiar with the word, but just in case we are, um, it def it is defined as the act or practice of grossly misleading someone, especially for one's advantage. Mm -hmm. um, and some other nouns that, or terms that we can associate with that misinformation, deep fakes, fake news, um, those sorts of things. But, uh, you know, gaslighting can be like a sort of a long-term psychological manipulation, um, or it can simply be, you know, as we've seen recently, uh, election denial, <laughs> um, yep. and the, the, the narrative that our elections aren't safe, even though the amount of election fraud that happens is basically statistically non-existent. I mean, yep. it, it happens, but for maybe every million votes, you might get one or two. It's it's so rare and it's it's amazing. Um, and gaslighting, word of the year. I know. And it's... Um... You know, it's just, it's unfortunately and sadly for us, it's become the, um, you know, I, my, my cynical version is, oh, his lips are moving, he's lying. You know, it's like, that's, that's gaslighting, you know, so I don't, you know, I, I know if, if Trump opens his mouth, there's whatever's coming next is gaslighting, you know, the, so, the same for, you know, although, a few although, of cronies. I gotta say. In, in, in terms, in the context of a, a broken clock being right twice a day, when he was given that like speech from Mar-a-Lago where he announced he was running again, uh, of course I didn't waste my time watching it, but I read an article where somebody who did 
picked out maybe the one thing he said that I was like, oh, wait, that's actually a good idea. Term limits on like senators and house members and Supreme Court. He, he actually talked about term limits. I was like, what? Wow. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, one phrase in an over an hour speech, you know, really boring one too, but yeah. Which I, apparently, I my favorite part of the whole thing was people were trying to leave and they wouldn't let us. Yeah, I know, right? That cracked yeah. me up. That cracked me up. Oh, the poor dude. Um, all right. So be wary of your gaslighting, your misinformation. Um, and we've seen that. We, we've we had experiences with that. Um, our last episode, we talked about some recent interactions on social media we had where some people were clearly, uh, you know, sticking to a certain narrative around Thanksgiving um and you know those those dialogues continue like people are i'm still in yeah those you know <laughs> well i have to say that um and not to like drag out this topic of gaslighting but you know we open our show and we say that you know looking at, you know also addressing you know the the challenges within spiritual communities and on a spiritual path and i really have for better or for worse have come to a place where there's an awful lot of gaslighting that goes on in spiritual communities um, that is, uh, I think I would put under the category of spiritual bypassing um, that, uh, you know, just not wanting to face the discomfort, not wanting to face, you know, facts, not wanting to, you know, own, um, own our, you know, full history. You know, you're referring to the Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. some of the Thanksgiving conversations, I think, and I, I wouldn't, I guess maybe, maybe it's not truly gaslighting, but it's, it, I don't think it's intentional to gaslight someone and to manipulate people, yeah. but I do think there's the energy of it, certainly when we are unwilling in spiritual communities to not perpetuate misinformation or limit the story to only what feels good. I think you're gaslighting people. Um, so anyway, there's that. And, and some box. of our teachings are a little gaslighting too. Yes. Uh, especially some of our prosperity teachings. Yes. Uh, yeah. Fairly, fairly, fairly gaslighting. Um, yeah. In I, fact, my, uh, my, the, 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 I write for Unity Magazine, the classic contemporary, and of course it's not coming out till March, April, but um, I talk about the parable of the talents, which is, has been very much misinterpreted right. and, and used as gaslighting, actually. Um, if you go back and look at what it really means. Um, it's not how it's been taught. So anyway, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, quick segue. Um, I also write for you magazine. When's that article due? Because I don't think I wrote mine for March, April yet. Is it due? Oh, it was due several weeks ago. Oh, really? Can you turn it in? For March, Wasn't April. Was polyamory one? No, that was January, February. Mm. Okay. I don't know. Okay. All right. <laughs> that was okay. a good squirrel moment. Well, welcome to my real time brain. <laughs> right. Brain freezes. Like, oh shit. So I got a yeah. thing due that I don't have to. Oh my goodness. All right. Uh moving moving on to another headline. Um, so so as you know, um, this so this is under the kind of follow-up about Roe v. Wade being overturned. So as you know, uh, Supreme Court decided to do a thing that a lot of people didn't want done. Most people didn't want done which was overturned Roe v. Wade, which means there were no federal protections for abortions, which means states could do whatever they want. And some and states, 
decided to, yeah, do whatever they wanted. Um, so coming out of slate.com. And again, we're going to post links to these articles that we're talking about um, in, in Facebook and also in the podcast show notes. Um, so now we are having some um, real time, I guess, statistics, uh, reports about what happens in states that kind of don't allow abortions. So the headline um, is without abortion, doctors in Texas are forced to witness horrible outcomes. And this was a journal uh, that was published in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Um, and it, it describes the experience of two large Texas hospitals over a period of eight months following the Texas legislation SB4 and SB8, which instituted punitive actions against anyone providing an abortion. So here's some stats about what they found so um so the authors um describe how their hospitals managed 28 women who presented at least uh sorry who presented at less than 22 weeks gestation with serious complications okay so 28 women uh they were 22 weeks or less pregnant and some serious complications developed with the pregnancy so without the ability, and, and generally, for those that don't know, twenty-two weeks is g- generally the uh, the age of viability for a fetus, you know, yes. for a fetus to live outside of the uterus. Right. Um, it's even twenty-two weeks. I think. So that's like that's like five. Sketchy. That's like five months. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of deal. You're still um, eighteen weeks away from full yes. term forty weeks. So. so. So without the ability to offer an abortion, um, all twenty-eight women were or manage expectantly, which simply means we just got to wait and see what happens. Right. Um, And that wait to see what something would happen, which is usually something bad because there's complications, um, lasted on average nine days. During that nine days, here was what happened or here was what um, happened to the, to the, the fetuses, the babies. So 27 of the patients had loss of the fetus in utero (sighs) or death of the infant shortly after delivery of the entire cohort. One baby remained alive, still in the NICU um, at the time this or the journal was article was published with a long list of complications from extreme prematurity, bleeding in the brain, brain swelling, damaged intestines, chronic lung disease, liver dysfunction. If this baby even survives, we're talking about probably a whole host of lifelong illnesses. Okay. Um, so if we are thinking that's a better alternative than terminating the pregnancy at a stage where, you know, this fetus isn't self-aware, then sure, have at it. Um, so then here's what happens to, to the moms now during those nine days of waiting for um, an immediate threat to maternal life. Here's what happened to the women. Most of them went into labor or had a stillbirth. Um, And stillbirth meant the medical team could legally intervene and empty the uterus. Okay, so basically the the fetus has died in the womb. Yeah, so if Um, the fetus is dead, then we can do a DNC. Yes. 57% of those pregnant women had some sort of complication. And for about a third of them, it was serious enough to require intensive care admission surgery or a second admission to the hospital 28 percent of them ended up with a hysterectomy which means they will never be pregnant again 
Um, and the authors of the article estimate that about half of these maternal complications could have been avoided if immediate abortion had been offered as a choice. So to recap, so to recap, because abortions weren't being offered, we had things result in like hysterectomy. So the pro-life stance is removing the opportunity for more life, one. We had um, an escalation of complications requiring surgery or intensive care admission. So therefore more potential for harm for the mother um, as well. And the one birth, the one, the one baby fetus that managed to make it out of the womb, because again, ostensibly, this is the whole premise. We gotta, we gotta protect the unborn. So the one that was able to be born is in the NICU, clinging to life with such a whole host of illness, illnesses and issues because it was uh, born very prematurely that often in cases like that will result in permanent lifelong illnesses. Um, so now we're, Ugh. now we're getting, so now we're getting real, real life, real time results of abortion bans. And to remind us that abortion is not somebody simply trying to, uh, you know, get rid of something they don't want in a nefarious matter. And again, even if that is the case, that's their right. But one, it is healthcare. Abortion is healthcare. When we say abortion is healthcare, this is what we're talking about. I okay. know. There's such an these these people have that are you know, from, flat out anti-abortion. Yeah. All they hear when they hear abortion is, you know, like, well, you got drunk and got pregnant, and now you just don't want yeah. to be a mother. That's such a small percentage. Preg preg pregnancy from zero month. <sighs> from conception to nine month delivery is not a clear cut straight line. It is. It, no, you're right. And so many health issues can happen. And often an abortion is the medical intervention to save the mother and, yep. and, and allow the mother to have children in the future, as we saw um, in this yep. case. Um, uh, one of the patients had to have a hysterectomy. And you're saying, but wait, one of the 28, that's not a lot. Well, do the math. I mean, how many right. are pregnant? So if that we're going by percentage wise, yeah, that's a lot of people, a lot of uh, um, people who can, who can carry children have been hysterectomies that could have been prevented if they were able to have an abortion. So well, and and not, there's no consideration for the mental and psychological fallout the you know for the mother um and the healthcare providers like when when you're a doctor and you know you grab you take an oath to do no harm how do you you know but yet if i practice do no harm someone's going to arrest me like i yeah. don't i mean new highs and low mentality i guess people that are just so radically anti-abortion and it's and forgetting that pro-choice means let me decide how to take care of me. Yes. You know, pro-choice doesn't mean pro-abortion. Exactly. But we've... And, it means but, stay but that's out of my body. That's what we've done. We've, we've simplified it and dumbed it down to 
to these two to the to the binary right the binary yes. choice yeah. and it is so much more complicated complex than nuanced than that and of course you know we do nuance so well in this country so so very well it's how we keep it's how we keep you know it's how we uphold our caste system it's how we keep you know yeah. systems of oppression in place uh yeah 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 all right Nuancing. let's let's move on let's move on okay. a lot of things to cover uh have you seen wakanda forever yet I have not. Really? I've seen. I saw. I'm. I rewatched Black Panther. Now I just need to to go out and uh, um, go to the movies. All right. So I'm not. I'm not going to say anything. I'm assuming you know what happens by now, or you haven't. Like, yes. Oh, yeah. I don't think you'll it. you'll destroy anything for me. Have you made it this far? Uh, uh, but right. I won't do any spoilers here. All I'm going to tell people is bring the tissues. Bring, bring, yes. bring the tissue. I heard that before. I, yeah, I've um, heard that. This is this. I mean, it's been a brilliant. It's just been a brilliant um, uh, discourse on on grief. Okay, um, and that's all I'll say about the movie itself. However, um, one of the things that has come up as a result of this movie is is like some deep resentance, uh, re, uh, deep resentments around colorism within yeah. uh, Latino communities because apparently. Uh, you know, there there's some uh, white Latinos um, mm-hmm. uh, or more. Yeah. White Latinos, very, 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 very fair skinned Latinos who are kind of like taking a little bit issue with the fact that the the, the lead character or the lead antagonist in the movie uh, Tena Cuerta, Mejia, who plays uh, Namor or Namor, if you want to pronounce it um, appropriately in Spanish. Um, he's he's more of a darker skinned um, Latino, and if I said the word Hispanic earlier, please forgive me. Um, that word needs to go out the window. Um, uh, Latino, and it's raising it's raising issues because because the white Latinos are going like, well, wait, where's our representation in right. in this movie? Now, granted, he's the only one of his uh, in the movie. The people in the movie that he is the leader of, they're all blue skinned First of all. But he's the but they are they're patterned or built after um, a Mayan culture or an Aztec culture. No, it's a Mayan culture. Um, uh, traditional Mexican indigenous culture. Don't let me get the one around, which is a rewrite from the comic books. Originally from the comic books, um, Namor was the king of Atlantis and the people were Atlantean. Um, when they when they're doing Wakanda forever, they chose to actually pattern it after um, real indigenous um, Central American uh, Mesoamerican people. Mesoamerican, thank you. Um, yeah. So, so long story short, when people sometimes talk about, oh, look how far we've come in the world or in the US or in places around racism and look how many opportunities are afforded to people of all colors and shapes and sizes and ethnicities and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of the things we always have to remember is that the harm that was perpetuated by colonialism mm-hmm. still exists, even though, for the most part, on face value, colonialism no longer is a thing. And when I say no longer thing, right, there's no, uh, there, there are very, very few uh, nations in the world that are basically... Um, you know, territories or colonies, colonies of 
European nations. Um, right. However, the 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 whole act over, of colonization, right? I think right now, what call, yeah. but the but the but the but the harm is perpetuated because this this system. Remember, you said earlier, like capitalism sinks to to value, assign value, and then rank. Uh, yeah. But this is this is what colonialism did. It assigned value. People of lighter skin were assigned more value than people of darker skin and ranked and there and then taught to to turn against each other. Uh, right. you know, um, because more benefits were given to lighter skinned people historically than darker skinned yeah. people. And, you know, therefore there was entitlement and resentment. And those continue as they're passed on from generation to generation to generation. Um, because they become ingrained in the culture. Um, I'm I'm in a country in Barbados where, where that colorism is a thing here. It's still a thing here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is so insidious and so. Well, it's a thing here. It's a thing there much. too. Right? It's a thing in the U.S. too. Um, yeah. And and within uh, uh, you know Latino community, um, uh, Black communities, Indigenous communities, because there's um, also. Um, you know, some indigenous groups who don't identify as Latino, but they live in Latin America. Um, and some, you know, have mixed ancestry and there are black Latin Latinx, you know, individuals. And it's really, it becomes very problematic. Um, I mean, more, I mean, like it wasn't already, it just in, um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for, but just like, it's i guess it's it's the the ultimate lesson in the, you know there's no monolithic group um and within the you know within the different you know with the colorism um you know and and lighter skin is more preferred um it's not just you know it's not just within latinx it's just not within black communities it's just you know across the board even in you know white bodies you know like like a woman that has porcelain white skin is very favored compared to someone who you know i step out to the sun and you know uh, takes me about a minute and a half and i have a nice can um so anyway um it just uh i i guess i just didn't see it coming with the movie and and there's because there's so much not and not denigrating the movie at all but there's just so much um you know, co good conversation around Black Panther and, you know, the sequel um, and um, and how far, you know, the movie, uh, you know, just it like just keep pushing, pushing culture into dismantling, you know, these systems of oppression. And yet still within that, there's still always more surfacing. Um, and the interesting still thing always about, more to learn. Yeah. And the interesting thing about the movie, the whole premise, the whole plot of the movie is the idea that, you know, the uh, the, the Europeans, the white people uh, are trying to get their hands on vibranium, which Wakanda, the only place that has it, is saying no, because y'all can't be trusted because, you know, history. Um, and they discover it underwater, which is the territory of, of Namor um, and, and his people. So he says, so, so he comes to Wakanda and says, hey, listen, we should join forces and, and protect this, this thing against the white folk. 
he came across a little harsh because he's like, and first, let's kill the scientist. This figured out how to detect it. Scientist turns out to be a black teenage girl and Wakandas were like, whoa, that's a little harsh, dude. Let's find some other workaround. So basically what ends up happening is these two cultures that have been, you know, or that are, are, are seeking to, to remain isolated from the rest of the world and protect themselves end up being pitted against each other. Where, where have we heard that before? Yeah. Right. Gosh, I don't know. So it was it was a it was a it was a, a also an indictment on on colonialism, you know, um, taking the natural resources of a place for your own advantage. Um, yeah. And and then unfortunately, what happens is communities then that are being colonized end up being pitted against each other um, to save themselves. Or in some cases, or in some cases, unfortunately, then also how can we get the most profit from our resources? So, so again, none of this would happen if the colonizing countries had just kept their asses at home. (laughs) So that's what we need to say every time we bump up against a colonizer. Keep your ass at home. Yeah, if it just stayed home. Shut your mouth, keep your ass at home. And taking care of your own business and stop trying yeah. to get in other people's way. Like, you know, none of this would happen, but you know, here we, here we are, here we, here we are. <laughs> and, and, and to uh, again, circle back to a lot of the conversations we were having with folk around Thanksgiving and why it's important to keep telling the full stories. Right. Of, of you know, you know, we, we talk about Thanksgiving and not a lot of us in the same breath of, Yes, this is a this is an occasion to be in gratitude, and let's also talk about the genocide of people. Um, you know, one of the comments I got from a person was like, "Why do we have to uh, keep wallowing in the past and not move forward?" And I said, "Well, what is that saying? Those who forget their history are doomed to repeat it." Mm. And yep. and and speaking about our past isn't wallowing in it. Wallowing in place guilt and sorrow. No one's asking you to be guilty about what happened. No one's blaming you for what happened. Uh, if you're a white body, no one's yeah. blaming you for the horrors that the white bodies committed in the past. What we're saying is, if we don't tell the full story and we just keep with the narratives that favor the colonists and the oppressors, then we keep making those who were colonized and oppressed invisible. And guess what? They still exist today. And then if yep. you keep making them invisible, those atrocities will return. And I gave the example of what happened in Germany after the Nazis were defeated, right? The Germans don't only just teach about the Holocaust in the public schools. The children learn about the Holocaust. I mean, can you imagine if that was a thing, if that was happening here, right? The Germans don't just teach their children about the Holocaust. They take field trips to the cemeteries of Jewish people who were killed to take care of their gravestones. So yeah. it becomes like, you know, we're we're only one generation, two generations removed from from the horror that this country once perpetuated on the world. We got to make sure you kids never forget that and know that the Holocaust were real and these deaths were real and we did this to each other. Remember the Jews who lived in the, in, in Germany, they were German. It wasn't that they were like, you know, from another country. They were born there Yep. They spoke German. Um, so so this is what we did to each other. And we won't let you forget that. And we have someone running 
for put his hat in the ring to run for president who's having parties with an anti-holocauster right so so in spite of our best efforts, tango foxtrot it's, it's beginning to come back so the other thing the german government did was not only offer apologies and took accountability but then they also set up programs of reparations for Jewish survivors and their families. They remove monuments honoring, you know, right. Nazi villains, Nazi individuals and, and Nazi memorabilia. So they were like, they did some reparative work um, right. af- after that. Okay. And and when when was when were the Nazis defeated again? 1945, 46? Five. Yep. You know, some somewhere around there. All right. So uh, when was slavery abolished? When were when did the genocide of indigenous people occur? Right, um, and where the reparations program? And that was one of the questions somebody in the uh, in my in my in my uh, Instagram asked me: How far do we take this? If we keep you know if we keep wallowing in the past, how far are we going to go? I was like, Well, I mean, you ask some indigenous people how far this goes. Like they want their land back. <laughs> like. Yeah, it goes until, you know, treaties are honored, until yeah. there's equity, until there's exactly. justice, until exactly. uh, the descendants and I think the, of the, enslaved yeah, black people, really... we, we want we want some of that fortune that you 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 amassed on the back of of free yes. enforced slave labor, like right. reparations, however we decide yeah. that needs to look, that's how far this can go and should go, just like Germany right. did. Yeah, because it's been what four hundred years, so we're not gonna do reparations in you know four years. You know, like right. it's, I mean, what do you mean? How long does it go on? Why does that even matter? Why do you need yeah. a time? That's a that's a white body thing. Right, there's a time frame to this. Well, and it's, there's it's a not, method to the madness. It, right, there's method madness, and 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 for folks like us that keep quote unquote dredging up the past, like what is our end game? Like what do we think we're gonna get out of this? And for us, the answer is like, I don't know, equity, uh, dismantling <laughs> of the systems of oppression that still exist, uh, right. reparations. I mean, yeah, there's some, there's some tangible end, end goals. Well, I think it's really important. You, you, you said it pretty quick, but I think, but I also was thinking the same thing about it's really, really important that, that, you know, white bodies, um, those in positions of power, you know, within a, those with social privilege, um, really, really remember and see if they can't take on that it's not about making you wrong. You know, it's not about right. that you are the evil, bad person. You know, you didn't create the system. Right. So, and you need to start working to dismantle it. So it's, that's why is... we do the power from privilege to power. Yeah. So cause... use the privilege you have to have power with making a difference it's That's not a, it's not meant for you to feel bad right. and dog it on you and you're white so you're evil and ah you know you'll never be better or whatever no it's like use what you have to to bring forward justice and love and mercy and liberation for all that's my soapbox again there you go because these systems of oppression are hurting you too yes that's that's yes. the thing that you need to that's a thing you need to realize and one of yep. the one of the uh, as we talk about spiritual bypass and one of the one of the spiritual bypasses that just is, you know rankles me is is the idea of is the idea of 
let's just let's just focus on um what we have in common uh right. let's just focus on welcoming everybody in and let's just focus on the fact that everybody's inherently divine so therefore it doesn't it when we when we speak about these issues it's creating discomfort and tension and yeah that's not going to help anyone so right well and one of the most disturbing questions that i hear and this was in your i think is in one of those one of your social media little uh, discussions was and it's come up in a few places about forgiveness like how long does it take for black folks to forgive you know and i'm like uh, yeah somebody somebody said didn't jesus teach forgiveness yeah that's like yeah jesus also taught go and sin no more so these things are still happening <laughs> right oh, right right and and if you're gonna quote jesus and i keep saying this if you're gonna quote jesus let's remember who was jesus a voice for the oppressed right. the outcasts the poor the hungry and Jesus got violent on their behalf as well, right? So if you're going to bring up Jesus and forgiveness, please also bring up Jesus losing his ever-loving mind and being the shit out of money changers who were taking advantage of the poor in the temple, okay? So J Jesus was a violent activist. There, I said it. <laughs> Jesus was the ultimate paradox. He was the Prince of Peace and he was a violent activist. So, well, and let's not forget that Prince of Peace actually comes from the book of Isaiah. Exactly. So that was never his, exactly. his or it's just alluding to Hebrew Testament. It's exactly. Not, there's, 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 I, a, I think if you bet him, to, if we, if we lived 2000 years ago, he'd probably be like, yeah, I didn't put that Prince of Peace shit on mine. <laughs> yeah. It's, you don't see it on any of my t shirts. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been great, right? I mean, it would have been great right after he'd like, you know, come out of the temple all like sweaty and, you know, he'd whip the money changers and their blood is like on his, literally on his hands and chest and tunic. And somebody goes, aren't you supposed to be the Prince of Peace? And he like flings the whip at them. Because <laughs> he's still pissed. Or, he's still pissed. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. You know what? Let's do some good news. I'm like. Yes. Let's, Let's do some good news. So I, I want to do a, a good news. Um, Go uh, it, it was an email um, that um, uh, was forwarded to me by somebody else. So I, I won't use any names, but the backstory is there's a minister who um, in uh, on a, last Sunday or this past Sunday, um, November 22nd, whenever you're listening to this past Sunday, used a story that did not realize he was using a story within the talk that um the inuit legend of the trickster raven and as he and and did not realize that as he was telling the story and summarizing the story that his remarks were insensitive and demeaning um to people of color because uh, he did not realize that basically what the story you know it carries this message that white you know the this summarizing that the the raven in the story used to be a seagull and was pure and white and then you know um escaped and became you know escaped and got covered in some soot and rendered in black and then so this so this story um once the way it's told is that after becoming black the raven uh, becomes the source of sin and trickery to humans and is taught Oof. to lie and steal and basically 
it, it you know you can hear what i'm saying that that white is pure and good black is bad and even though it's a you know it has its roots in you know uh um indigenous uh, indigenous legend th so this is why cultural appropriation is so dangerous unless you know the whole story and the cultural context of the story and what a trickster is you know it, it you can't tell it you can't tell the story you can't acknowledge it and but anyway the the good news was that very quickly you know someone said something oh and okay. the very next day the minister sent out a letter offering you know big heartfelt apologies and was you know don't didn't even his unthinking remarks and how very sorry he was and grateful to those that spoke to him and gave him comments and saying you know letting everyone know that that he's helped to become a, you know and now i'm becoming a better person and and a speaker and a and a minister and just and but but witnessing his own whiteness and bringing it forward acknowledging the insensitivity to even share the story um and it's you know he doesn't say anything about the cultural appropriation but that's what helped him go as awry with the story and by doing that you wind up telling a story that makes white good and black bad and but anyway it was just a it was it was just to say it out loud yeah. when there's so many as you know so many ministers around us that you know don't want to even talk about it don't even want to admit that it's there right um i was just really i'm going to send them an email and say thank you um, good, for, good for them good for them yeah. for being able to hear it and and more importantly not get defensive no i know because right? that's a that's a big thing well that's not what i was trying to say in my story that's not what i meant you're reading into right. it you are the one being sensitive right or listen <laughs> see well this is one of those examples when we talk about intent and impact yeah. it doesn't matter the intention here's right. the impact and that's what we address yes and i just thought it gave me hope um because one someone was willing to speak up somebody that, was willing that's to listen too. That's yes. not that's huge because and I think yeah. and I think that's I think one of the big things and one of the big positive changes that is happening more and more in our spiritual communities, because there would have been a time not that long ago and actually still now where people would have said after the fact, I was uncomfortable, but I didn't say anything. I was uncomfortable right. and I didn't feel like I should say anything or was afraid to say anything or yep. like you know so so the fact that people someone was willing to 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 go to that minister and say you may not realize what you just did by this story but here's yep. what it was um yep. and and for that minister to not be defensive and to listen um yeah that and, is and within 24 hours send out a mass communication of yes here's where I'm insensitive. Here's where I didn't see. Here's how I'm learning. Thank you. Like, and uh, when we talk about creating both anti-racist culture and, and anti-racist spirituality, this is what we're talking about. This is, yes. this is what happens. We'll make a mistake. Someone will point out the mistake. And then there's a, there's a listening. There's a willing to consider, huh? Maybe I, yeah. So, so, you know, the whole, the, the whole threads, the whole threads on my recent Facebook polls and Instagram polls kind of all been about that defensiveness rather than yeah. the can I can I maybe consider that 
this person might have a point about this right. whole issue. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah. So, so that was my little piece of good news because we're always dogging on spiritual communities. Um, it, well, I shouldn't say dogging on, but pointing to... I know. Well, point, but pointing to, to where we can do better. Don't, don't believe the narrative that other people place on us. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. We don't can. believe their gaslighting. Thank you. Oh, I see what you did there. Very smart, full circle. <laughs> yes. Like it. Okay, what? Another piece of good news yes. to wrap us up. Uh, the uh, the Grammy and Academy Award winner. Um, um, well, the well, no. Let me go back to. I want to talk about the um, the the Grammy Award nom- the Grammy nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, so Beyonce has been crowned the most Grammy nominated person in history. Tying her husband, rapper Jay Z, with eighty-eight nominations. What you OMG. meant to say was, what you meant to say was, she on her way to surpass him. Yes, let's just put yes. it that way, because that woman, that woman is not done making music or hits. No, by a long shot. So yeah, she gonna, right. she gonna surpass. So um, anyway, just um, it, I guess what um, you know, just the the more and more the the grammy nominations are you know when you look at the faces of who's being nominated the type of music the um you know this this top you know the songs or you know just all the different categories and so seeing the diversity of faces of ages of body shapes of gender you know um gender you know sexual expression um types of music you know, the, I mean, it just, it just makes my heart sing that there's so much difference in everything. I think that's good news. But I think call that's, me crazy. Uh, no, I, th- I think that's, I think that's good news. I think that's good news too. Um, and I was trying to put the link in Facebook though later. And the one uh, thing I, I want to wrap up with also is uh, to give, to give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back. And when I say ourselves, I really want to say uh, progressive government. Although conservative leadership has some um, um, contributions to this too. We have, we have cut childhood poverty in half twice within oh. since, since 1993. So because wow. of social safety net programs, which let's be clear, one party, Republicans, don't seem to like a lot of um, because of those safety, social safety net programs, um, a lot of uh, uh, there was a there was an unprecedented decline in child poverty. Um, in, and I think we were talking about in the U.S. here between 1993 and 2019. So uh, there was a 59% decline. So in 1993, more than one in four children were at the poverty level. In mm. 2019, it was one in 10. Then the pandemic hit. And because of all the pandemic relief programs that push, put cash in people's hands, again, come in full circle to let's just give some people cash and trust that they will right. know the best to do with it. Between right. 1919 and 2021, we cut that in half again. So it went from one in 10 children to one in 20 children. Mm. So, yay, this is what happens yes. when you have people in charge who say, you know what? 
let's listen to the people and 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 trust trust them and before anyone gets all upset with me yes i remember george w bush did a whole like send people checks to um, as as well i did say remember that some conservatives get a little credit for this too um but uh but yeah but that's that's amazing like in my lifetime right in my lifetime yeah. we've had childhood property poverty twice from one in four twice. to one in 20 yeah. and that from one in 10 to one in 20 was just within the last two years that kind of blows my mind that gives me hope for us as well and let's just keep hoping that we continue to create yeah. programs like this social and safety social nets, safety nets are not socialism no <laughs> people hear it's, the word socialism and it's no. like ah like somehow it's the same as communism or or what a fascism right or, right um, but clearly i, I want to i want to correct you on that uh, it it is a form of democratic socialism, which yes. ostensibly is yes redistributing wealth, which is yes. not a bad thing. Be, again, no. again, white supremacy and capitalism pushes back against that because it says you're taking what one person's earned and giving it to somebody who hasn't earned it, and that's not right. what this is. <laughs> this is literally saving the lives of people who have intrinsic worth, right? And who also yes. have to, who also were not born with as many privileges as some of those of you who are complaining about it. Uh, well, yeah. And when I say, when I use the word socialism, you know, yes, it's, it's, you know, December or December. Um, where did that come from? Because it's, it's fast getting up on well, us. Well, I mean, you I got two days it. till December. So, I mean, you're, I know. you're, you're but it's, You know, when I say socialism and, and, you know, people, what I mean is how it's historically and traditionally yes. been held. Yes. Socialism. You know, so like if I use the word with my mother, she freaks out. And I'm like, Mom, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. there are elements of socialism that really do work as evidence yes. by this that yeah. are a good thing. Yeah. Like, so. like the fire department. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> to point and that the, out. The EMT. Yeah. The, right. the uh, you know, the, the volunteer EMTs that come yeah. and help you out. I'm glad you said volunteer. Um, Cause sometimes you got to pay for those ambulances. Like yeah. we, we have a legit, we have so many stories of people who get injured and they're like, no, don't call the ambulance. Cause I can't afford it. Right. Right. Uh, because you know, trying to privatize everything but but the but the fire department and also law enforcement is is a good example of the fact that you don't your your taxes uh the the you know money that's taken out of your paycheck goes to pay for these things uh, you know yeah. the fact that you have roads to drive on and you don't have to write a check for the road means that yes this is a redistribution of wealth your, your wealth, the money that you've earned has been redistributed to these services so that you can have these things. So yeah, stop crying social. I'll never, I'll never forget. My favorite thing was, this was a few years ago, I think who was running? It might've been when uh, Barack Obama was running. I don't remember, but they were interviewing and there was this old white conservative guy and he's like, you know, uh, tell the Democrats to keep, keep their socialist hands off of my social security. Right. right. I was like, did you not just hear yeah. what you said out loud? Right. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. It was hilarious. Anyways, um, more hilarity, of course, um, ensues 
because people are who people are. Um, and this brings us to the end of our show today, our good given and the other headlines. Oh, uh, I'm going to just put this out there. If there are headlines you think we should cover that we have missed, you let us know. Uh, yeah, oh, we, we, we could do with some feedback because we don't get them all. And again, you can let us know by hitting us up on the Instagrams and the Facebooks at Get Our Holy On. You can call our number 413 Get Holy, 413 438 4659. You can e- email us, Kelly or Ogun, O G U N, at projectsanctus.com. Head over to projectsanctus.com and help support this fabulous thing that we got going on. Um, not just today, given Tuesday, but anytime you feel so moved, please remember to share our podcast with your friends, get them to listen, rate us. If they still don't know what podcasts are, they can listen on the old fashioned interwebs at with love and justice for all dot Remember to rate us all the stars, all the thumbs, all the smiley faces, all the hearts, whatever rating system is on your particular podcast and please if you can tune in on friday we're gonna really endeavor to be on time <laughs> friday friday at uh what is it 2 p.m eastern are we back to one one p- yeah 2 p.m no, eastern we- 2 p.m eastern mm-hmm. 1 p.m central 2 p.m yeah 2 p.m okay. eastern 1 p.m central 3 yes. p.m where i am which is atlantic time right which is why we had to move it from from yeah, 2 p.m. Central yeah, to 1 p.m. It was a whole Central. thing. Yeah. It, was a, it was a whole thing. But so Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, where we will be interviewing my friend uh, Rabbi Eli Friedman. We're going to talk about anti-Semitism, um, you know, all the rhetoric that's been going on. We're going to talk about Kanye. We're going to talk about Kyrie. We're going to talk about the whole mess of stuff. Um, and we, we've been wanting to talk about it. Well, I'll be honest. Kelly's been wanting to talk about it. I've just been like, I don't want to give this any ear time, you know, and... Like, <laughs> Well, first it was Kanye, and then the Kyrie thing happened. I was like, oh, man, we're going to have to talk about this, aren't we? And then I was like, you know what? Let's ask someone who might be a little more well-versed than we are. So uh, that's why Rabbi Eli is coming on. So please tune in Tuesday. Uh, sorry, Friday. Listen live. Watch live. And if you have any questions ahead of time that you'd like to submit uh, for our guest, Rabbi Eli, please submit those to us as well. And always, you can listen anytime and every time. So thank you once again. And until next time, let's get our holy on. 